2: Brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge, Jeep Ram, Peters Township. Visit them online, southhillsjeep.com. So the Pirates currently have a payroll of $44,950,000, according to Spot That's the third lowest payroll in baseball. Clearing space for the Otani trade. Let's go! Let's go! From the Athletic Talking Football, Mike DeFabo joins right now. Hi, Mike. Hey how you doing Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for, uh, for joining it really uh, it really spices up my night just past seven o'clock on a Tuesday. okay, uh, I was talking about the state of the NFL. I talked that out sort of the first hour. get into that a little bit later. I want to shift gears though. the TJ Watts investigation, if you will by the league is there something there or will it turn up? Well they followed all the protocol. where, where do you in poking around where do you come down on this?
3: Well, there are some unique things here. I mean, the fact that T.J. Watt got clearly knee in the face the first play, that should have been a play that they've looked at him from an independent neurologist standpoint. Um, But the bottom line is this. The big problem with concussions is it's an invisible injury. It's not like a broken bone or a muscle strain or something like that that you could test it out. It's on the player to report the situation. And if a player either, number one, doesn't feel any symptoms, which is possible, or number two, isn't transparent about it, I think it's difficult to criticize the team. And I think that you're probably lying to yourself if you believe that players aren't lying and aren't playing through concussions. Guys have done this from the beginning of time. Uh, They want to be out there for their teammates. And and I think that that's part of it. So, I mean, I don't know. You would need T.J. Watt to come right out and say, I was experiencing symptoms during the game. I reported those symptoms, and they put me back in. I think probably... What they're saying is true, that T.J. Watt did not report any symptoms. He said that he was fine. Um, If your very highly compensated pass rusher, uh, who's really the key to your defense, tells you he he can play, it's pretty tough even for a doctor who's trained uh, to take him out in that scenario.
2: All that said, that still doesn't clear up, and I don't know if you have the answer to clearing this up, why a visor was changed.
3: Yeah. The the visor definitely is is something to speculate on because he came out without one. It's a nighttime game. Um, You know, if you're trying to connect dots, you could definitely see a scenario where the lights were bugging him and he was getting a headache. And so he wanted the visor. So, you know, we'll probably have an opportunity to talk to TJ Watt. We can ask him that question later on, but I mean, I can remember um, against the Cleveland Browns, he came out with a dark visor and switched it. So, just the sheer fact that he changed his visor doesn't tell you that necessarily there was an injury. And again, to me, the biggest thing is uh, players need to, to change their thinking. And I think that the thinking has changed. I remember there was an incident where Heinz Ward was critical of Ben Roethlisberger for not playing through a concussion and was like, dude, why, what are you, soft or something? So I think that, that people do understand that this is serious. Head injuries aren't something to mess with. But, again, it, it, it's on the player. If the player doesn't report the injury, the player doesn't say, I'm not feeling right, it's an invisible injury. It's hard to diagnose. So I have a hard time – I mean, I, I kind of tend to to think that the, the Steelers did the right thing in this scenario, and it was just a case that, you know, either he, he didn't feel the symptoms – or he was reluctant to report them.
2: Fan hotline presented by Nemecolin. Around every corner of Nemecolin creates real-life magic for guests. On that fan hotline right now, Mike DeFabo from The Athletics. So, to put on your straight news hat right now and no opinion, both Watt and Highsmith, uh, is your guess as good as mine or anybody's, whether they'll play or not? Do you just kind of have to let the week speak to you, Mike?
3: I think they will play based on what I saw today, which was both of those guys were limited participants. Um, it wasn't like they were sitting in a dimly lit, lit room by themselves um, and look at history. Uh, I think that there was a, a thing that came out where they said that no player had returned from a concussion to play the next week. Well, that was inaccurate. The Steelers are the only team that had a guy return. And, and that's been the case often. They seem to be a team that uh, does accelerate guys and does play guys who have had injuries, had injuries a little more quickly than most. So, given the fact that those guys are already working their way back into the fold. They had a couple more days to recover from this head injury. Um, I'm actually pretty optimistic that both of those guys will be able to play.
2: How do you think that Mitch Trubisky acquitted himself, and do you agree that it earned him another start?
3: I, I think Mitch Trubisky was exactly what we expected. He's a backup quarterback to Kenny Pickett for a reason, and I mean he, he flamed out as a starting quarterback – with the Chicago Bears for a reason you know he's he is what he is at this point in his career he's a guy that with 56 starts under his belt you trust him to be a game manager and to uh, you know manage a run-heavy offense and win a game on defense but you don't trust him to do a whole lot more than that and I believe that they should stick with him I know that people want Mason Rudolph they, they have to think like something is going to solve this problem there has to be a better answer Unfortunately, I have bad news. There is not a better answer. I've watched Mason Rudolph play every single practice this season, every single practice of training camp. From my opinion, I think that he that Mitch Trubisky, uh, despite his limitations, is clearly a better quarterback than Mason Rudolph. I mean, I watched Mason Rudolph get an opportunity with a team that was right around five hundred in 2019, and all he needed to do was you know not lose games. And they ultimately turned to Devlin Hodges, who could both call ducks and manage an offense, which Mason Rudolph was able to do neither of those two things. So it's not a great answer, um, but it is what it is, and you're, you're down to a backup for a reason, and he's going to play like a backup. And I, I believe that Mitch is the best answer right now, even though he's not a good one.
2: Well, what if people say, and there's, this is an argument that people make, that Mason Rudolph couldn't be worse,
3: uh, he could, he definitely could be worse. And I think that he is worse. And um, like, you know, Mitch Trubisky, like I said, he has 56 starts under his belt. You feel a lot more comfortable in terms of game planning. He's just game planned and, and been part of meetings and been part of prep a lot more. He led the bears to the playoffs before he's done that before. Um, nothing that Mason Rudolph has done gives me confidence that he would be able to step in. I mean, I, I, At that point, I was just a a fan. I had season tickets. I watched every game. And I saw Mason Rudolph reluctant to take chances, not, uh, you know, take his opportunities when guys were one-on-one. And, I mean, I, I just think that as bad as it is and as unfortunate as it is that you're down to Mitch
2: Trubisky, he still is your best option. Tell me about Keanu Benton and his elevation on the depth chart. Is it really an elevation or did we all expect this? This was basically
3: admitting what's already been the case, mm-hmm. and that's that Keanu Benton has really come along this season. This was a great draft pick. Uh, I think this guy has a super high floor because of the fact he's a former wrestler. He knows how to use leverage and kn- knows how to use his opponent, um, you know, their aggressiveness against them. Uh, he also played in a very, very similar scheme. You know, the, the Badgers, there's a reason why the Steelers went out and drafted multiple Wisconsin players, because... They have a very similar philosophy and identity on defense, and uh Keono Benton, when I've talked to him, he said he just kind of it kind of clicked to him that this is really very similar to what he was doing at the college level, so I really like that draft pick, and I think that I think he's only going to continue to ascend and i think that I think that as the years go on, he'll become a a fan favorite here in Pittsburgh and a, a central piece of that defensive line. With some Pro Bowl potential down the
2: line. All right, answer me this. this: Is Mike DeFabo we're talking to from the Athletic? So many people in Steelerville want to talk about the status of Mike Tomlin's job. Do you think that that's talked about by anybody of importance inside the Steeler facility?
3: Well, that's that's a good point, Colin. Because we can all have our opinions and fans can have their opinions, but at the end of the day, the only person whose opinion really matters is Art Rooney, and I don't believe that Art Rooney is seriously considering moving on to Mike Tomlin. You know, I mean, I'm not being told anything secretly. I didn't get off the phone from him or anything like that. But all you have to look at is the history of this organization and the fact that they've had three head coaches since 1969. Um, they stuck with Bill Cowher through a lot of, of years that were very similar to this stretch that Mike Tomlin's in. They stuck with Chuck Knoll through a lot of stretches that are similar to this. So... I think the Steelers believe in their business model. They believe that it's better to be patient with coaches and let them have an opportunity, not to mention the fact that Mike Tomlin has a Super Bowl on his resume and he took the Steelers to another one. All those things would give him you know, en- enough credibility within that organization, enough trust that they would stick with this guy. I just, I, In my heart of hearts, I believe that an extension is much more likely than any kind of firing or, or any kind of um, – you know, you know, parting ties in, in that Mike Tomlin would
2: not be the coach next year. Good look or bad look? Ben Roethlisberger commenting on uh, assistant coaches. What did he say? What he said say? that the Steelers haven't gone out of their way or didn't, don't do a good job of hiring. And he's right. Young and uh, coaches with forward thought on the offensive side of the football. But for me, he neglects Mentioning that outside of a suplex, outside of Tequila Cowboy, Ben was also one of the factors that got Todd Haley out of town.
3: Right. I think that he's acknowledging what's a reality. and something that fans who follow along have known for a long time. That It seems like when the Steelers have an opening at coordinator or any really position coach, um, they seem to go to their favorites on their cell phones and a guy's name that they already know and whose number they already have. And I strongly believe that if you're going to fix this offense, there needs to be a national search. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers should be an organization that people are lining up to, to coach. And I really feel like they need to change the narrative. There is a narrative, and I think it's a true one, that this team does not spend on, on coordinators and coaches and that they don't pump enough resources into it. So if I'm Art Rooney, I, here's what I do. I change that narrative in a big way. I get an offensive coordinator that I believe – is going to be a head coach in three to five years. And number one, that helps you fix the offense. Number two, it gives you an opportunity to clearly and properly evaluate Kenny Pickett. Like, right now, they were in a worst possible case situation where how do you possibly isolate variables and decide it's either Kenny's fault or it's Matt Canada's fault? It's probably both. You need to take that variable out of the equation by bringing in somebody who's done it before, been there, done that. Eric the enemy, I think, would be a great answer if he somehow becomes available or somebody along those lines. And then the, the final thing here is if you bring in somebody who's actually qualified, who's on their way up and not somebody who's just, you know, content being an offensive coordinator for life, then you have a, a plan in place so that if you do ultimately decide to move on from like Tomlin, the Steelers are the king of promoting from within and giving guys opportunities who are already on their payroll why not put an offensive coordinator on your staff that you think is qualified as a head coach, and and make you know put a little heat on Mike Tomlin, and, and you have that contingency plan in place if things don't go well. I think that's exactly what I would do, and I think that that satisfies a lot of the objectives and a lot of the things that need to be done this off season.
2: Yeah. Great. But then what's the possibility that three weeks after the season, we get a release on a Friday at four o'clock that says Eddie Faulkner has been elevated to after an extensive search, Eddie Faulkner has been elevated to full-time offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers.
3: Look, no disrespect to Eddie Faulkner. I think he's a good guy. I think he's been put in a tough situation, but like, did you learn anything from your mistakes? The whole reason why you're in this problem is because, You took a guy in Matt Canada who had never done it before at the NFL level. Three years later, he had never come any closer to proving he could do it. He was, at best, a a good college coordinator. that You you gave him, uh, for whatever reason, whatever was left of Big Ben's right arm, and then you trusted him to develop a new young quarterback. What would make you think that uh, a coordinator that was part of that same group that was in those same meetings. That was part of the same game planning. Is going to do a better job when this guy is not some kind of quarterback whisperer. He's a running backs coach by trade. Um, it would just, it would be the worst case scenario to me if if you did that. I mean, again, I like the guy. I think he's a good person. I think that he uh, has been, you know, given a very challenging job right now to keep this team together when there seems to be a lot of divisiveness and a lot of fractures within the locker room and you know he's doing the best with what he's got you can do a lot better if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers than you
2: should better show in the seven o'clock hour wheel of fortune or jeopardy
3: oh boy see I'm pretty stupid so I would say wheel of fortune because I can guess letters I I know all the letters of the alphabet Uh um I've known them for a while not to brag right yeah Um, a lot of us have some of these things on Jeopardy, though, I'm,
2: I'm not very smart. The only ones that I look smart on if it was like, are the ones that go— If it was Latrobe history or, you know, Steeler <laughs> player numbers, right? Yeah. I'm good on all the
3: ones where the smart people uh, go viral for, like, not knowing basic knowledge about sports. That's what I could do well on. Yeah, this um,
2: team, but- this team uh, plays at the confluence of the Three Rivers and are named after working men in their town. People say, the Cowboys. Right like you're good at that one
3: <laughs> yeah that's that's what I'm good at is is those, but nah I'm, i people know from listening to me on the radio I'm not very smart i would not be I would not do well on jeopardy,
2: well, you're not very smart, but we're going to find out tomorrow if you are uh if you can carry a tune. Are you going to this Christmas sing, right?
3: yeah, I'm planning to go to the Christmas karaoke, and I was
2: considering busting out a
3: Yinzer version of Santa Claus' is coming to Tan.
2: Well, uh, is the yinzer stuff cliched and overdone at this point? That's a risk.
3: I don't know. I've been practicing.
2: Okay. Well, then do it. Well, then do it. Are you going to do a duet with your your lovely fiance?
3: We are. And um, what's the song that Jim Colony always likes to sing?
2: All I Want for Christmas is You.
3: Yeah. See, that one would be the perfect duet in this situation. But then we were like... We're not even going to ask Jim because Jim surely that's like what lights up his life. That's something he looks forward to. We can't take that from Jim. So I'm going to do the games version of Santa Claus is coming to town
2: where it's you better watch that. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. (laughs) You better not, Pat. Uh, Don't give it away. Oh, my gosh. Um, All right, so we'll see you there. Mike's Beer Bar starts at 7 o'clock. Be there a little early to get, as Bill Cower would say, well lubricated. So that'll work, and we'll uh, we'll see you there. I appreciate all your insight on the Steelers and everything else, Michael. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow. I will see you in probably 22 hours or so. I'll talk soon. Bye.
3: All right, take it
2: easy. Yes, Mike DeFabo, one of the truly good guys. You know, it was very interesting. I know we screw around some, but what he had to say about T.J. Watt. Um, I do want to get into something. I read something today, and I wasn't doing research. I was just tooling around in the internet about this Otani contract. And you know what? I don't know if I hate it. I actually think I like it, and I actually think it makes sense. And I'll tell you why in just a little bit. And before the hour is out. There, the Steelers going to Indianapolis reminds me of one trip I made to Indianapolis with Paul Zeiss, where probably the most incredible thing in a bar room ever happened to me. One of them, at least. And I'll tell you what that is in just a little bit. Fan text line, hit us there. Brought to you by Edgar Snyder & Associates, personal injury law firm where they always say... to get into a little later on in this hour just a little while you're gonna want to hear this there's a great story from Indianapolis by the way I need a coffee I'm gonna get a coffee in the next break I, I wanted to stop coffee at like seven o'clock I'm the kind of guy though that can drink who can drink coffee at nine and go to bed at 905 and I don't know, I just wanted to stop my coffee intake at seven o'clock but I'm not gonna be able to last unless I do so I'm gonna have to get another coffee Four one two nine two eight nine three seven zero. Not that you care, I'm just making you aware. So we'll continue the Steeler calls in just a little bit. Uh, you can call about the Steelers anytime. I'll, again, I'll tell you the Zeiss story, which is it's just it, it'll give me flashbacks just telling it. And we'll hear from AB Antonio Brown in the eight o'clock hour. But this Otani contract. So now there's these deferrals and everything, but nonetheless otani has got a record-setting contract. It's complicated. He's not going to be paid a straight $70 million per year for 70 years. But the the deal is notable. It's $700 million. Okay? $700 million. And it eclipses uh, Lionel Messi's $673 million with FC Barcelona. So, Otani's making a ton. To compare it to other baseball contracts, Mike Trout is making, what, 426.5? I think Judge is 360, something like that. So I did some reading and was just kind of kicking around on the internet today about Otani's deal. And there's a lot of hand-wringing. There's a lot of, well, is anybody worth $700 million in the world? And that's kind of a different conversation. Because when you really get into it, is a baseball player, is any sports guy? Eh, probably not. I don't know. You know, you'd think it'd probably be reserved for an oncologist or somebody like that. Anyhow. Here's where I am with this. I was reading and Japan is a growth market for Major League Baseball. No question about it. You could talk about right now, even with the pace of play and everything else that's happened in America, there are there's a lot of young kids that have just soured on baseball. The Japanese are still going bonkers for baseball. All the numbers are indicative that that is true. Otani, I don't need to tell you, has superhero status in Japan. He just does, right? So if this was an American-born player or an American player, there is no way that you could probably justify $700 million for any team to do that, right? But because it is a Japanese-born player, And because there are a couple layers to this, one, the merchandise aspect of it and how much merchandise you can sell, especially with the new team of the Dodgers in Japan, it's going to be an instant boon. It'll be a boon. It'll be a boon throughout his career. It's going to be just off the charts, both in America and especially in Japan. The second, you're trying to grow the game, the American game in Japan. And now you have a recognizable face in somebody that is a Japanese player. It is a growth market. Japan is for Major League Baseball. Now, they're not going to take a team over there and play 50 games or something. But there's going to be a lot of opportunity in the future, much like the National Football League plays international games. We're not going to see that scaled back. We're only going to see it grow. And Japan is one of those markets that is crazy for Major League Baseball. This is the one player, the perfect storm that you can do this with. It just is. Does it justify 700 million bucks? No. But can he be that player that if he performs anywhere near the top of the league, ends up fetching you that back and then way more than that? Absolutely positively. Absolutely, positively. He is one of one in this regard that can get this contract. But I ask you this at 412-928-9370, because for the common fan, for the regular person, and especially for a Pirate fan, does this sour you on baseball even more than maybe you were before? Like, for me, it doesn't. The only thing I don't like about it is Otani stays on the West Coast and I still can't see his games every night because I go to bed at a regular time. It t- it's 10.05 to start and I don't want to stay up late to watch Otani. I think Otani is the greatest baseball player who's ever walked the face of the earth. I just do. But so many of his games start at 10 o'clock. That's the one thing that stinks. I would have liked for selfish reasons to see him on the East Coast so that I could see Otani a little bit more. But that aside... It doesn't change for me one thing about the game of baseball. I'm a baseball guy. I like baseball. Now, look, I'm not going to sit on a Saturday afternoon when it's nice out, even with the pace of play and a game can be done in two hours and something. I'm not going to sit and watch, you know, Mariners and Rockies. Not going to happen. But I will watch Dodgers. I will watch and stop what I'm doing, have it on in the background, stop everything that I am doing, and watch Otani hit. If Otani is pitching, I will watch that game. So that's where it is for me. But this does feel like, just on the surface, when you look at that number, 700 million bucks, that there are people in a town like Pittsburgh, and they're not looking for a last straw because they've had a hundred last straws with Major League Baseball. But when they see this Otani contract, they say, why should I pay attention? And you know what? It is impossible to shout those people down. From where I am, the disparity between the haves and the haves nots is gigantic. That doesn't excuse the owner here for not spending more. But he just can't The team isn't going to generate enough. There's never going to be enough. And they can't and won't spend with the Dodgers or the Yankees or Houston or somebody like that. It's just never going to happen. But where so many people say it's a terrible thing for baseball. You know, first of all, it ain't the Dodgers' job to look out for baseball. It's the Dodgers' job to look out for the Dodgers. That's number one. The second thing is... It is actually probably because there's a gigantic Japanese-American community already in Los Angeles, and then because of the Japanese community that is going to uh, treat this guy like a god and the growing of this game in Japan, it's actually going to make a ton of money for the Dodgers and for Major League Baseball. Speaking of baseball, speaking of baseball, people saying to keep an eye on Rowdy Tellez tonight that he might be the free agent first baseman he just might be making his way to raise the Jolly Roger. The Brewers and the Pirates love flipping their first baseman if this in fact comes to fruition. Rowdy Tellez if he comes to Pittsburgh he will instantly, like overnight become a fan favorite. Little bit of a You know, not a svelte guy, a little bit of a bigger guy, can punch it into the Allegheny River, and plus a name like Rowdy Tellez. Instant cult hero status if he makes himself here, if he gets himself here. Zach is in the car. Zach's on the fan. Hi, Zach. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you.
3: Hey, I just had a a question on your opinion on whether or not it's good for baseball because kids growing up are going to be able to look at that baseball player in the world in a sport that seems to be dying a little bit. Mhm. Um, so I know the the fan experience in individual cities is going a little sideways especially here in Pittsburgh but it, it keeps the dream alive for the kids to keep the sport alive. Is there is there any merit to
2: that? Well, maybe. You know, one thing though that I think is interesting here is this is That you have a player that is going to be and is the face of your game. That, and there's nothing right, this is just a statement of fact. So don't try to make it something that it's not. It's not right, it's not wrong, it's just a statement of fact. That second language is English. That to me, now it'd be the same thing if his first language was Spanish. His first language is Japanese. I wonder how much that affects things. Where there's an inability to streamline, communicate every single night, except through an interpreter. And how much, even though people love and will love Otani, how he, that he'd even have more fans. Again, it's just a statement of fact. I love that the Japanese players are coming here. I also do wonder this. If he were to ever go back to Japan, if he could be player-owner, and if more American players would go to Japan, if that league in our lifetime will, because of the Japanese influence and because of how gigantic baseball is in Japan, if that will ever truly rival Major League Baseball. Because he could fold up his tent and just go and be player-owner in Japan and really turn it into something there. I would not put that past. I would not put it past him buying a team and playing for it the last few years of his contract and seeing if in, in trying to lure real American players. Not guys with dwindling talent, not guys just hanging on, guys in the prime of their career. All right, coming up next, the Steelers are going to Indianapolis. Anytime, whether it's the combine, whether it's a Indianapolis Indians score that I see whether it's something like Saturday where the Steelers are playing the Indianapolis Colts in the four o'clock hour, any time when I read about a Permanese that now apparently they have in Indianapolis, anytime there's a Pittsburgh and Indianapolis connection, it makes me think of one night. And I believe it was 2010 where one of the most surreal things in my life ever happened to me right in downtown Indianapolis. And I'll tell you what that is next.
1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago,
2: Illinois. Oh, it's like Vegas here. Bucks spending a bunch of money. Here we go. They got himself a first baseman here. So Jason Mackey uh, tweets that sources have confirmed that Rowdy Tellez to the Pirates, one-year deal worth 3.2 million, chance to reach 4 million dollars via incentives. And the Pirates in the in the Brewers love flipping first baseman. Also, uh, how about a beefy? deal? I think he only hit like 13 or 14 last year. So hopefully he can spike that output. But uh, Rowdy Tellez to the Bucks. There is that. And uh, the city will fall in love with a guy, big, beefy guy, Donnie football-type guy. This is a Donnie football-type baseball player. I I, I like this. Uh, You know what? I'm going to tweet that out here. This is a Donnie football-type baseball, B-A-S-E, B-A-L-L, yeah, player.
0: I
3: texted him right after that. News oh, Joel, I'm you like, did? I'm uh-huh. thinking of like Donnie's gonna love this news. Yes. One of those big hosses. He's gonna have he a he's to gonna say. have a
2: jersey, Joel. That's Joel Nelson that I would say right so. There. He'll have a Tellez jersey. Uh all right, here we go. Uh four one two nine two eight nine three seven zero. Two two in the penguin game, by the way. All right, listen to this. So the the Steelers are playing in Indianapolis. Speaking of Donnie football. Donnie is going to that game. He and his cronies, him and his buddies and his pals are headed out there on Friday, I believe. And they're going to be there and wrap around all the way till Monday. They're going to paint the town black and gold there in Indianapolis, which is a great town to hang out in. Perfect grid system. The downtown its flat downtown. There's no hills. uh, It's a bunch of bars down there. Well, there is one bar in downtown Indianapolis, not far from the Indianapolis Indian Stadium and not far from the dome called... Low Miller's, I believe. I think it's L-O-U-G-H-M-I-L-L-E-R-S. Nice little tavern kind of bar. You know, a little bar and grill kind of place. Not too wild, but just nice. Not real nice, just nice enough. You know? So it's right there kind of by. I don't know what that is. If that's like the some kind of governmental building, right? It's right by right by the the baseball stadium. You, you wiggle back through a couple little streets, and there you are. Low Miller's. So we're at low, Millers, and this is during the Final Four when West Virginia, Duke, Butler, and I believe Michigan State were playing in it, okay? And Duke and Butler played in that final game, and Butler – what was that guy's name? Gordon whatever his name is. Uh, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, yes. He almost hit like a half-court shot to win it. So anyway, it is, I think – because what do they play Friday Saturday Monday during the final four. So I think it's Saturday night after the games or maybe Sunday. Actually it may be Sunday. We're in Low Millers. It's me, it's Zeiss, and it is our friend from West Virginia who is the best one of the best beat writers in America, Mike Casaza. Okay? So we're standing in Low Millers, minding our business. I'm having a beer, Zeiss is having a beer, Casaza is having a beer. Some And it's not real crowded yet. So I think we did some day drinking, right? It may have been 6 o'clock. Some guy walks right up to Zeiss, probably late 60s is his age, and starts his sentence with, hey, MFR, but use the real word. And I'm thinking, does Paul know this guy? You know, is this a joke? And it wasn't. He said, hey, MFR, I saw you on the nightly sports call, and you know what? You don't know what the hell you're talking about. You've never known what the hell you're talking about. You are the worst of the worst and starts hammering them. So I stop what I'm doing, and we're a couple beers deep at this point. I stop what I'm doing and I'm like, wait a minute, let this register. We're in Indianapolis. What is happening? We're in downtown Indianapolis. What does anybody care about this for? And why do they recognize Paul Zeiss? And the guy continues. And he said, I don't know why they have you on. You effing stink. You're the worst media guy I've ever seen. So I say to Paul, I go, Paul, you know this guy? seriously you know this guy and he goes I I don't know anything about him and Paul says hey buddy like listen I don't know who you are so I take the guy aside for me to be the voice of reason gigantic upset I mean Appalachian State over Michigan type upset I kind of grabbed the guy by his arm a little and I said hey hey buddy listen you're going down a real bad road being aggressive with Paul Zeiss Particularly after we've had a couple beers, I don't know what you're getting at. I don't know what compelled you to walk up here and potentially, and essentially, pick a fight with Paul Zeiss, and it's a it's a bad thing. So what's the story here? And he goes, he he knows he sucks and he's. I said, listen, why don't you go over there have a beer? Whatever, I'll buy you a beer. Just just go over there, leave us alone. Whatever. The guy goes his own way for about 20 minutes or so. Again, Low Miller's is the place, downtown Indianapolis. 20 minutes or so later, he wants more. You know, I didn't tell y'all I wanted to tell you, the guy says. And I'm like, this is going to end with this guy getting his face busted. He walks up. Again, he starts. Finally, I said, and I can't repeat it on the radio. I said to the guy, listen, there's a better chance of something really crazy happening than you beating up Paul Zeiss. Apparently, you recognize him from Pittsburgh. We don't want anything to do with any of this. Just leave us alone. We're just having a beer. I don't know why you want to start a fight. They came over. Somebody who's a bouncer at the place puts the guy in a half Nelson. Guy's like 68, 70 years old. And his legs, they lift him up. His legs are kicking like a Roadhouse movie or whatever it is. They're pushing him out the door. Zeiss is just standing there smiling, right? They're pushing him out the door. This lady comes, who's probably in her late 50s. Kind of hot, though. Like cougar. Cougar. Like leather pants and like a leopard print shirt. She then comes up to us. Now, it gets foggy here because, again, we'd been drinking a lot. She says either, that's my husband or boyfriend or whatever. And, you know, he's a real pain in the backside. I'm sorry for his behavior, and I've kind of been looking for a reason to be done with him anyway. And proceeds to drink with us for the next, like, five hours. It was one of the most, it was like we were set up. It really was. Only that kind of stuff happens to me and Zeiss on the road. We're in Indianapolis. We're three states away. A guy wants to talk about the nightly sports call. He doesn't want to be nice about it. He gets, he doesn't even introduce himself. He fires right into you, mf I can't stand you. Straight at, not zero to 60. He went zero to 350, rated Zeiss. Zeiss is a head taller than anybody in the bar. We weren't looking to fight, but if it came to that, this guy's going to get bounced out on his ass in a middle Indianapolis for what? And then the end of the story is I think he got broken up with Because he acted like a total idiot. Now, I do not know what happened. I know what happened with me. I went back and ate pizza and fell asleep. I don't know what happened with Zeiss thereafter or Casaza thereafter with said Cougar. I think nothing. I think we all just went our separate ways. We were staying in that hotel that is like a Marriott right there by the outfield of the Indianapolis Indian Stadium. Uh, right there, it was it was newer at the time, it was built like just before 2010. So I think we just all walked back. But it, to this day, I don't know if the guy was a plant. I don't know if somebody put him up to it. I don't. I don't know why that happened. And every time I think about Indianapolis, I think of that very moment and right where I was and standing in Low Miller's and wondering if we played it the right way, like should Zeiss should have just hauled off and knocked this guy out? I wonder if in this year of 2023, now 13 years later, I think it is, if the man is dead. I wonder if the guy is still watching the nightly sports call. I wonder if the guy ever reached out via email, Twitter, any other sort of social media to Paul Zeiss. I wonder if he had been stalking Zeiss because that's not out of the question. And finally caught up with him. And that was like his moment, right? That was his time. He finally ran into him in person and was like, that's the guy on TV. There are so many questions I have about that. It is one of the moments in my life. And you have these. Everybody has these. Where they want to be able to connect the dots. And you know that you'll go to your grave without being able to connect those dots. I I just want to have everybody be able to take kind of a a truth test and go back. Great question on the text line. Did the lady ever tell you if they were from Pittsburgh or how he knew Paul? No. That's the other thing. Now, for there being three reporters there, we didn't do a very good job of interviewing the woman. We should have tried to get to the bottom of all that. That's a wonderful question. We never sort of asked, are you from Pittsburgh? How do they recognize Paul? What was this guy's problem? We kind of just moved on from the problem and I believe started into the Jägermeister. So we wanted to just erase the problem and eradicate the problem as quickly as possible. Plus she was a cougar. So I think there was some sort of attraction, you know, flying around and people didn't, they didn't want any negativity, So there was that. Anyway, 412-928-9370. If you're that man and you're still alive and you were way into Pittsburgh sports, I remember that, call the number and tell me what the hell your problem was with Paul. Because, again, I I am at a loss. And it's one of those things. No, I'll be able to die and not have the answer and kind of live with myself. But I'd be able to live with myself a little bit more if I could say, oh, ah, the old Paul Harvey and the rest of the story. If I I could have that, it would, this has gnawed at me now for 13 years because I believe it may have been either the same night or the next night. It was it was the night after, or it was the same night, where Bob Huggins was like hitting Deshaun Butler, who had fallen on the floor and like messed his knee up. It was just after that. It was that Final Four. So think of how long that was ago. This has been eating at my brain since then. Or if someone else, don't put. It, I I don't think Casaza put this guy up to it and had him do that because the guy was right on the brink of getting his face rearranged by Paul. It was just out and out weird. Out and out weird. Replay in the NFL. Officiating in the NFL. How bad it's been, we need to talk about at the top of the hour. And we hear from Antonio Brown in the 8 o'clock hour. I have a gigantic idea involving Antonio Brown. That comes your way in the 8 o'clock hour. Fan weather right now from Sun Chevrolet. Check out 2023 Silverado's Silverado 1500s up to $7,500 in rebates and visit sunchevy.com. Tonight, clear low of 29. Partly sunny skies on Wednesday, high 42, low 26. Temperatures in the 40s to low 50s the rest of the week.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or